Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz guitarist Andrew Marzato of the band Pluto Juice. We spoke to him during the aftermath of a blizzard in his home base of Toronto. This band is a super group and the brainchild venture of drummer Anthony Fung. It's a unique blend of jazz and electronica that immediately grabs the listener into a fluid world of modern jazz going on these days. Andrew has been a constant steward of the jazz craft since his graduation from the Berklee College of Music. He opens up about the band, his life in music, the Pluto Juice sound, COVID, and so much more. Enjoy. Well, hey, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So I love Pluto Juice. You know, the minute I put this in, you know, in, in what we do with radio around here, I get a lot of CDs and pop them in, and there's, there's just some that really just hit me. And the minute I started hearing this sound, I was totally pulled in. So I love the album. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. How did all of this come together? I mean, it's, it's quite a lineup. It's quite a project. It's very unique, um, top to bottom. How did this all come about? I think uh, definitely Anthony Fung is the, the mastermind behind this project. I've known Anthony. Uh, he's from Toronto as well. Um, I've known him since we were, we were in high school. He's about a year older than me. I was just kind of getting into jazz in Toronto after, you know, playing a lot of just like shred guitar for many years, just, uh, you know, I was into classic rock, but I was slowly getting into jazz and I joined this youth big band in Toronto as part of uh, one of the radio station here, Jazz FM um, organizes it and we would rehearse every Saturday morning or uh, Saturday evening. That's where I met Anthony and uh, he was the first guy to kind of really kick my butt and be like, you know, whoa, what are you doing, man? You got to check out these guitar players. Who are you listening to? Like, I guess he saw something in me already and, and just wanted to um, just see the best in me. And uh, I really owe a lot to him because then from there, Anthony uh, told me about the Berkeley Jazz Workshop. I ended up going for a summer to Berkeley in Boston to do this jazz workshop with Terry Lynn Carrington. Fung did that as well, Anthony. So we were both kind of hanging in Berkeley, and then we would eventually go and do our undergraduate degrees there. I don't think if, if it wasn't for him, like, really uh, telling me about the whole Berkeley thing, I don't think I would have, uh, you know, applied or even um, been aware of that. So so then we did our undergraduate, and then he, uh, he went on to study at the Thelonious Monk Institute, or now called the Herbie Hancock Institute. He's been in L.A. He was in New York for a while. But he always comes back to Toronto. Thankfully, you know, he calls me for different projects. We still uh, talk and we hang out and stuff. Um, it's been hard these days because of the pandemic. But um, he uh, he just he's always putting projects together, and that's something I really admire in him. So he called me for this, and then I, I guess he had more of like a weather report kind of electric vibe in mind. So there's this really amazing bassist in Toronto, uh, Rich Brown, and uh, so he asked him if he was down, and then I guess Fung did some playing with Dana in L.A. or New York, I'm not sure, so they were already uh, acquaintances. Another thing about Anthony, he's always writing music at like such a fast pace, so he just like got all these tunes together, and then Dana as well just wrote a whole bunch of repertoire. Anthony booked some gigs in Toronto a couple of years ago, brought up Dana from New 
and we rehearsed and, and played. And then I think we did that at the, it was at the Rex in Toronto. We did that a few times uh, at the, we did it again in the TD Jazz Fest. We recorded an album. He um, coordinated everything really well to work out with Dana while he was in town to play some gigs and record an album. It's all, you know, Fung is the, is the genius behind this project. Not to mention the other guys, of course, but it wouldn't have come together without his, uh, without his, just his resources and his uh, drive. How, how would you describe this sound? How did this sound come about? It's something that you don't hear that often. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think have, have evolved over, over time in modern jazz, especially during the pandemic. I've noticed a lot more electronica elements that have put into it. But how would you describe this sound, and how would you say it kind of evolved and came about during this project with all of you together? I think the sound kind of came organically through the, the repertoire, like the, the music that Dana and Anthony wrote already kind of suggested a certain sound um, that, you know, like um, pads, kind of doing synthesizer-like things on, on my guitar uh, with like, I have a Big Sky, Strymon Engineering Big Sky pedal and, you know, uh, crank up the decay on that and get these kind of more ethereal sounds. That's I was always into that. Um, I guess I kind of started using more pedals um, from a, like a pop band, pop group that I was in a couple of years ago. So I just got more acquainted with pedals. And then Dana is quite a pedal geek as well. So he, you know, he's got more pedals than a, an advanced guitar player. So he's he's checking out different pedals and combining that with his iwi. And that's something that... Uh, I don't know too much about the the lineage about Iwi. I know Michael Brecker was one of the first guys to really push that sound, but it seems like in the last decade or so, it's been a lot of innovation has been happening with the Iwi. So just yeah, the four of us coming together. We I guess we each have our own unique sounds, especially Rich Brown. He the way he approaches the bass. So he just, you know he just did his thing and, and uh, interpreted the music, and we all kind of did our thing, and and then. Definitely there was some post-production too. Like uh, I know Fung um, got Pete Rend, I believe his name is, to do some keyboards on the album post-production. So that, that definitely added kind of a, kind of filled in the space sonically and, and made it that bigger sound. But yeah, I think uh, of Weather Report, uh, the other guys love Weather Report. So we're into that kind of synth jazz sound with like interesting harmony I love interesting harmony. I definitely check out more piano players. Just kind of a, a mixture of a bunch of different things. How did this jazz journey begin for you? Where were you born and raised? How did it all start? I started playing guitar when I was nine or so, eight or nine. And uh, I started playing because my older brother uh, was going to form a band with his buddies. He was going to play bass. So just me being the younger brother, I wanted to be a part of that and, and be a part of the um, the weekly rehearsals so I got a guitar as well and um, he let me join his band and uh, you know he was a bit older so I guess he was in it more for like to look cool and maybe uh, look cool for the ladies but I was younger and I was just more in it I guess uh, innocently and I just fell in love with music and kind of maybe surpassed them eventually I like we were playing like kind of instrumental rock but then you know he he went on to university and, and chose a different career path. And 
I kind of always, I just stuck with music. I ended up going to uh, an arts high school in Toronto. Um, and then it was there that I heard some of the senior students uh, playing jazz kind of after school in the band room. And I was like very mystified, like, whoa, what is going on? Like I, I was always kind of improvising, but just over like funk backing tracks over one chord. So to hear these people playing, improvising over chords, moving around chord changes, that really um, that really intrigued me. So um, I kind of weaseled my way into some of these jam sessions and, and started hanging out with them. And, and they would say, hey, you know any standards? And I said, oh, what are standards? So then that kind of began the journey. I took lessons with a guy in Toronto, Lorne Lofsky, a great guitar player kind of weekly combo lessons with this guy, uh, the saxophonist Kirk McDonald, another amazing musician in Canada. And then, um, and then from there, you know, hanging out with Anthony, uh, he told me about the Berkeley thing, Berkeley workshop. So I, uh, applied for that. And then I was, got to meet so many amazing, talented, uh, like-minded musicians from around the world because, uh, Toronto has some schools, but it definitely doesn't attract the kind of international student body that Berkeley does. So I was in Berkeley. I was hanging out with really talented people from uh, Israel, Japan, Italy, Spain, South America, all over the States. So then, we, you know, I've kept in touch with a lot of those people, too, and they would later go on to study in Boston as well. And uh, so, yeah, and my time at Berkeley was... Uh, was amazing very you know had so many uh gurus and mentors there to list a few of them uh, mick goodrick hal crook uh, danilo perez john patitucci joe lovano we got to hung, hang out a bit with dave liebman jerry Berganzi. so berkeley just i was in something called the berkeley global jazz institute and that was just an amazing um, ecosystem for for absorbing jazz and, and learning it and playing it with playing it with the masters, um, they bring in really heavy artists every week, and I'm very grateful for my time at Berkeley. But then uh, once Berkeley was done, I uh, made the decision to come back to Toronto, and it just made more sense financially. Came back to Toronto, uh, yeah, taught guitar to kids for a while, and uh, you know, kind of, and then did some touring. I was fortunate to be in a uh, with this artist, Justin Nizuka, got to tour Europe and America and Canada. That was kind of cool because it wasn't jazz. But, you know, doing that kind of stuff really, it helps your jazz playing, you know, because, you know, you, you experience a different type of audience, a different uh, type of listening, different flow of a concert. So you play the same set every night, 30 days or 30 uh, concerts. So there are little moments of improvisation, but it's it's got to be nice and tight. But not saying that jazz isn't tight, but maybe jazz is a bit more loose with the repertoire. You can you can kind of decide in the moment what tunes you want to play. So that was that was a uh, important time in my life. I uh, got to see a lot of the world, and uh, then came back to Toronto. And uh, well, yeah, back in Toronto, and then you know the pandemic hit, and now I'm here just trying to grow my uh, private students network uh, i'm sure performing will be back eventually I, I know people are playing in the states but unfortunately here in toronto we're kind of in like a lockdown 
because of the pan- the the COVID numbers. So, so there's no restaurants or clubs or anything at the moment, which kind of sucks. But it'll be back. So yeah, just trying to keep busy, stay positive. Cool. Yeah, and I guess with that being the backdrop, you know, with this new album and the possibility coming up as time expands forward, we're definitely on the other side of COVID. There's going to be opportunities to perform this live and to get out with people. What did, what did you learn about yourself over this quarantine time that maybe you didn't realize before that's going to make you stronger as you reemerge to live music? You know, no one's, no one's telling you what to do, you know, unless you have like a manager or, a, or a, someone who's running your social media or your, uh, yeah, your career what to do so you know it's really up to yourself and just and kind of pushing through and, and making goals and and that just became way more evident during this pandemic you know like if you got to create the opportunities for yourself and, and kind of create um opportunities for other opportunities like the, the bigger opportunities to come up so that might mean like being active on social media posting um or just kind of uh, just reaching out to people when seeing how people are doing. So even though everyone's at home right now, you know, you can still be a part of, of the music community um, by just being active as a person socially. So yeah, just trying to trying to really um, sharpen self-discipline um, and uh, structure in one's life, I'd say, has been the biggest thing I've learned during this pandemic. And, and also how much people appreciate live music because there's been some pockets uh, during the pandemic where things have have been open. You know, I was playing playing pretty active for a couple of weeks. And uh, just, yeah, you can tell that people really miss this. And and it's, it's an important aspect of uh, the general community is, is live music and, and going out to shows and, you know, because that's where you see your friends, that's where you hear some new music, have some good food. You know, it's just, it, it all is intertwined. So what do you look forward to the most about being a professional musician? You know, um, you know, just daily having that chance to create music and to perform. What's the best part to you? Yeah, the best part for me, I'd say, is uh, I love just learning other people's music and kind of kind of embracing a uh, sense of versatility, you know, like uh, maybe playing some neo-soul one day and then the next day I'm playing some more kind of uh, like uh, world music, kind of Arabic music with a cello player. And then the next day it might be more straight ahead jazz. Just the, I, I, I really love and thrive off of the, the multi-genre musical community in Toronto. Um, there's so much music here, so many great musicians. And um, I'm sure it's like, you know, sometimes I daydream about like living in New York City or L.A. And I'm sure it's just even exponentially greater there. So, so yeah, just the kind of, um, I love just having my... Uh, yeah, just being a part of many different things and many different types of music. I also love teaching and uh, love sharing the wisdom that I've absorbed and, and spreading it to others and, and seeing people progress and, and uh, make musical, yeah, make musical progress and and find their musical voice. So I I love I love that. Take pride in that. Composing too, just you know, playing guitar. I love writing solo guitar music. And uh, I think that's that's how I really shape or uh, that's how I really practice these days is just kind of composing little guitar etudes 
So music is infinite. You know, you, you can always find something new to practice. And I, I love that, you know, the, 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 the fact that music is endless and, and, you know, you can spend so much time on one really niche thing or, and that could really uh, develop, that could really make your sound who you are because you spent so much time on like one little thing or, you know, and it's everything that you listen to as well, all the people you hang out with. So I, I like in jazz specifically how, how uh, every player is unique and, you know, it's like a different voice and, and you can hear elements of other people's voices in one music in one's musical voice. So I think that's really cool how, how there are just different improvisational uh, voices out there and you can learn from them, listen to them. Yeah, you find what you like, you find what you don't like. It's, it's, I guess it's art, you know? So, so yeah, just uh, the variety. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's endlessness. So why do you love jazz? Yeah, definitely that. Uh, the, one of the main aspects of jazz is for the soloist, whether that's a vocalist or a saxophonist or a guitarist or a pianist, you know, it's that they're going to, they're going to have something that is unique to them. They're, you, you know, we're going to hear that person. So we're going to hear all their musical experiences, you know, everything that they've listened to, everything that they've checked out will come through in their playing. So I love how every time you listen to jazz, it's like a, it's a new avenue. It's a new um, uh, listening experience. Um, and just, you know, all the different facets of jazz, all the different forms of jazz, uh, starting as early on, you know, as ragtime piano or, or um, kind of the 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 drumming from Africa, the Cuban drumming, you know, all that stuff is tied into jazz and, and, you know, you can go really far back in, in classical music, you know, that has an influence on jazz. Um, so jazz today, and I like how it's evolving, you know, jazz today is different than it was 20 years ago. And, and I guess means, I know there's, some people you know, like people don't like to use the word jazz, um, so it's kind of this weird word. But uh, we know what it is. You know, it's music being played at a high level with uh, an emphasis on improvising and swing and uh, rhythm. Yeah, and you can just you can just keep getting better at it and keep learning new tunes, keep checking out um, new music, new albums, new bands, um, and then you meet other people too who. Um, who listen to it or or play it as well, and that begins friendships, and or you work with them, you make albums with them, you play with them. So, so it uh, the social aspect is great. Jam sessions, you know, I can't think of another culture where uh, you know there's jam sessions. Maybe I guess slam poetry, like poetry, I guess you can have jam sessions or or, but yeah, like music jam sessions. That's a nice social hub you know you meet different people there and uh and so yeah just there are a lot of great things about jazz for sure so my final question is this everyone has a perception or an idea of you your family your friends your fans but ultimately you live your life you have a perception of yourself who do you think you are yes i think i'm on a quest for the rest of my life um to push myself as a musician 
that might mean sacrificing some other things in life. But I hope that this quest that I'm on, you know, I can still be a good person and uh, give back to the community and, and have good uh, friendships, relationships. But um, I'm definitely people know about me is that, you know, I'm trying to push myself on the guitar and just get better every day. And that's, that's, you know, what I signed up for when I was very young age. I knew that, um, that this is kind of an extension. Playing guitar is kind of an extension of, of my brain, my heart, my, my soul. So, so I think, yeah, people, you know, they'll, they'll see that kind of intensity in me. Um, but hopefully, you know, I still want to be seen as friendly and, you know, you can, hang out with me you can uh, take lessons from me and you know i um like i said i love i love teaching so so i love sharing my musical knowledge and experiences so so yeah i guess um someone who's on a musical journey just trying to beautiful yeah thank you thank you i don't know i never done yeah. an interview before so I'm just kind of winging it <laughs> Yeah, no, you did great. This is yeah, and it's the ideal day in the middle of a blizzard or in the aftermath. So, um, sure. dude, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. I appreciate the music. I'm looking forward to profiling it on the show. So, good luck with everything as we move forward. My pleasure. Thanks so much for the interview. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Toronto, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Andrew for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.